We're lucky enough to have Greg Smith with us on our podcast. Greg's with uh, First Citizens Bank. Is that right? Yes. First Citizens Bank. Yeah. So, Greg, folks uh, probably want to hear some background and kind of just a quick bio on you. Would you mind just giving them that? Absolutely. I've been a commercial relationship manager for roughly 10 years in Charlotte. I uh, started out at BB&T and moved over to Bank of America for four years or so, and I've been with First Citizens for about almost a year as a senior relationship manager. So I facilitate um, a book of business with companies that are anywhere from the $5 million revenue space up to the you know, couple hundred million in revenues. It's kind of our sweet spot. Okay. And then you're primarily working with what kind of lending? Um, a lot of manufacturers. I'm really a generalist. There's uh, some service industries that I have. Um, I've got a particular restaurant client that is um, going through some issues right now, and we're working with them. But all across the board, I've, I've got some medical folks that I help. Okay. I mean, it's a, it's an unusual time to be having a podcast, not unusual, but I mean, what we're going to talk about, I guess we never really planned this, but since it's the subject of the day, today being March 24th, are you seeing a lot of communication back and forth with your clients regarding our coronavirus issues? Yes. The bank has encouraged us to proactively reach out to folks just to see how their supply chains are being impacted. In today's world, it's, it's definitely globalized, and uh, there's, a, there's a reliance on countries like China and Europe where people are importing goods, and they're also being impacted on the front lines with restaurants that have literally had to shut her down overnight and deliver a pure carryout model, which has really been kind of a side offering for most of these folks. So they're having to lay people off and do a lot of things that uh, they never would have thought they had to do just to stay alive, not paying their landlords. Banks are deferring principal and interest payments for up to 90 days, sometimes 120 days. Um, they're not paying royalties. If they're part of a franchise. It's, it's interesting to see it's going to cascade through the economy, I think. Yeah, what what ideas do you have, or what were you saying? It's cascading into the uh, the rest of the economy. Kind of share some of your thoughts on that. What's well, interesting? So you've got the business up front; they they are struggling. Uh, they're going to have to lay off their employees, which support other businesses like real estate owners that they might be running from. They might have to proactively reach out and provide flexibility on rent payments. Like with a restaurant, you've got linen suppliers, companies that process credit card swiping, probably not going to get paid. The marketing companies probably aren't going to get paid. The banks aren't getting paid. So there's kind of uh, the dominoes are going to fall one after right. the other. Right. And it's, yeah. and it's happened ultra quick. Yeah. 
to that point, how quickly it's happened, uh, I've been amazed just with some of the banks that I work with personally and their uh, communication. I don't really need any um, help in the immediately, but they've all been very, uh, very quick to communicate whether, hey, look, we're going to offer up some uh, 90 day terms. Well, no, basically no terms for 90 days. You can put the put three payments towards the back end of the loan or I've heard other banks say, hey, we're going to uh, go interest only for, you know, up to six months if you need it. Just a variety from bank to bank. And I think they're changing every day, too. I think whatever they offered today, yesterday might be different today. Because, I mean, the last thing they want to do is, is start uh, going through a default process, right? Right. Exactly. And it's, it's an ever-changing process. You know, one of the big reasons I think that they're being so accommodating is that the FDIC, the comptroller of the currency, are definitely encouraging them to be as accommodating as possible, which has really allowed the credit teams to be flexible in providing these emergency resources. I've seen the banks provide lines of credit for commercial clients that they did not have with very minimal questions asked um, in the event that they do need it. It has to be a true need, but it's, it's been very interesting and it's changing on a day by day process. No one has been in this situation before. Greg, do you see any like slowing down in lending? I know the federally they're giving you all the support that you guys could possibly need. It seems. So you think there'll ever be a slowing down in lending? I know rates have gone up just to handle the influx of, refinance inquiries and loans, but do you think there will be any slowdown on the lender side or? From a commercial perspective, I believe that the banks will pull back because you're seeing the markets liquidate everything from an equity perspective. People are selling their bonds. People are even selling gold. And I think that you will see that eventually hit real estate. And despite the low rates that have been propping things up, I think that eventually we will see the real estate market start to cool down. And it's natural. We've been on the longest bull run. I think it's north of 10 years now. Um, So it's, it's really healthy for the economy to have these cool down periods. Yeah. The, uh, that answers your question. Well, the real estate, could be interesting. I mean, it could go several different ways. You know, uh, there could be a big downturn in the pricing in real estate or, you know, depending on how we work our way out of this situation monetarily, there could be a giant, could be a giant stage of inflation right now. So um, real estate could actually appreciate just given inflation. Um, I, I really don't know what, what, what the short-term, long-term, results are going to be out of this. Do you have any indication or any opinion? It, it's really hard to know. Uh, from the real estate perspective, you are seeing the Fed do massive stimulus, even more so than the uh, Great Recession. And from the standpoint of whether or not real estate will appreciate, depreciate, I think there's a ton of uncertainty there, particularly on the residential side, because you don't know 
how many of these folks are reliant on these industries that have been challenged. I was reading an article where Charlotte may be impacted up to 20% from all the folks in hospitality, event planning, restaurants, breweries. Um, I was reading an article where it's possible that over 2 million people were laid off last week. Yeah, which is unheard and, of. Um, exactly. And then on the commercial side, you're going to see landlords not getting paid for who knows how long this will last. So I, I think you are going to see uh, pricing uncertainty there as well. Yeah. What, um, I mean, what length do you think the bank will go through to not go through the default process? I guess part of my reasoning for having this uh, podcast today, we didn't really plan this out well in advance like we normally do, but I think it's important to give, you know, if people are out there worried or people are out there struggling when they're listening to this, I guess I want to give them some indication that banks are motivated to, to work with them if they feel like they're in a pinch, right? Absolutely, they are. Um, if you're running behind on your auto loan, uh, reach out to them. They could defer your payment for, and each bank is different, but they could defer your payment up to 90 days. I was reading about how some banks will push payments back six months, even on credit cards, home loans, any type of debt instrument out there. They want to work with you because yeah. the last thing they want to have to do is repossess a home or car and in this environment, because that's just not the business that they're in. Yeah, I don't know what guidelines they adhere to commercially. I mean, I, I, certainly they have to adhere to, to some sort of banking regulations, but one of the banks that I deal with was, as I mentioned earlier, they offered, you know, look, we could do six months interest only and still not trigger or trip or stay within any of our uh, federal guidelines. So I was like, well, that's, that's pretty interesting that, that that option's out there, that that, you know, that, that that doesn't hurt them and it doesn't, doesn't hurt the bank and it doesn't trip any, when they say it doesn't trigger any federal repercussions. I mean, those, those, th those guidelines are probably going to change in the next couple of weeks potentially. Right. I mean, it's an ever changing environment and the government has mandated flexibility through the FDIC and various other banking regulators. And based on what I've heard internally, there's a lot of flexibility. And it's a case-by-case -case basis for different companies, obviously, in looking at how long this coronavirus might be traveling around. It's, it's interesting to look at the country because different states are doing different things. Yeah, I was reading about how New York, New York and California are under National Guard, including Washington. And in Charlotte, North Carolina, we have we're not yet in a shelter in place mode. Maybe we should it's be. Eerie. It's eerie driving around. Yeah. There's no one on the roads and restaurants are shuttered. Uh, you know, it's a good time to support your local businesses. Buy gift cards. Um, get carry out. A lot of people hurting. Yeah. Have you, uh, I mean, I know you don't want to get specific, but have you had discussions with any of the folks that, that you lend to? I have. 
one of them, I, I think I may have mentioned earlier, is a high-end restaurant. And they really sell the experience of going in and ticket prices are probably 150 to $200 if you want to go out there on a nice date, get a bottle of wine. And when you get takeout, it's, it's just not the same because they're really selling that VIP treatment and you know, they're having conversations about whether or not they want to continue to keep turning the lights on that drastic they've had to lay off a lot of folks it's really a sad situation for a lot of folks out there what's your advice been to them we are being very accommodating we've deferred our payments uh, to 90 days and uh, are providing them a short-term loan to be able to make their payroll this week and it's, it's been very Interesting to see how quickly our team is working to turn these requests around in a you know, oftentimes bureaucratic environment that you're dealing with to see things being streamlined is definitely refreshing. We're doing everything we can. Yeah. I think you said you had an internal call yesterday or something with, with some of your upper management. Can you talk a little bit about what, what discussions they're having and, what they foresee. I think you made reference outside of this call about some type of recovery that they're, they're anticipating or what they potentially forecast. Can you get into that a little bit? Cause that might be spot on or it might be laughable a couple months from now, but it's still nonetheless something to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll give the disclosure. I'm certainly not a economist. Um, so if I, speak in rough terms, uh, please excuse that. But the gentleman today was talking about how there are three different types of bear markets. There's a structural bear market, which is uh, similar to like the tech crash or the great recession we had 10 years ago. And the normal length of it in terms of how long it lasts is around 42 months. And uh, stock market, the stock market correction is typically around 57%. And the recovery is average about 111 months. This is data that was pulled back from, I think, the 1830s, just looking at it historically. So there's certainly a, a segment that they are gathering this data from. And then the second type of bear mark okay, is the cyclical that's normally from a rising rate environment. These are the most common economic cycles that normally turn into bear markets. And the length of that particular market in terms of uh, duration is 27 months. And the correction has averaged 31%. The recovery time has taken about 50 months. And the current environment that we are in is an event-driven market. And he was equating this to uh, like a matchstick because it happens ultra-fast. They're normally around a war, maybe an oil price shock. You see an emerging market crisis. One of the things that, that he related it to was Black Friday in 87, where you had that ultra-sharp drop of 10%, and then it bounced back. I think the same amount the next day, if you'd held on, could have recovered like 90%. And uh, 
one of the things that was optimistic about that is that the duration is normally nine months. So much quicker turnaround than the previous two bear markets. And the correction is around 29%, which is kind of where we were yesterday. The markets are are moving strongly to the upside with the, the stimulus bill that they're passing now that's got the new SBA emergency lending act in. And then the turnaround recovery time is about 15 months. And what he was saying, this is our chief investment officer at First Citizens, is that if you held on for 12 months, 95% of your retirement account would be back to normal, so to speak. Got it. So it's kind of uh, stick it out 15 months, everything almost comes back back up where it was. Right. Right. And I, I don't think it's a situation where people that have a 20 or 30 year investment duration should get nervous and look to sell. It's, it's more a matter of uh, rebalancing the portfolio and positioning yourself for the long run. What you advice do you have? have? Sorry, go ahead. In terms of what advice? Yeah. What, what advice do you have to like a lot of our audience is in real estate and probably is a mixture of rentals, rental heavy and flips and investments. Like what kind of advice do you have for, you know, real estate investors, both residential and commercial in like a market like this, like what should they be doing in these kind of like uncertain times from your point of view? I'm in that segment too. I have a couple different rental properties and my advice would be to proactively reach out to your tenants and see how they are doing just from a personal standpoint, see if their employment is anticipated to be disrupted in those scenarios, work with them, maybe push one of their rent payments back. If you happen to own commercial properties, I'd have the same advice because a lot of companies are hurting. My wife and I own a, a property that's commercially zoned with a daycare on it. And she had to shut down her business for two weeks. And she's in that same scenario. So we're you know, deferring her rent for a month. But it's a good it, opportunity to be proactive. Yeah. So be proactive with tenants. Is there anything like should investors practically reach out to their like, you know, lending institutions and see what accommodations they can make before they need it? Should they start lining up those conversations and those interest only or deferral payments? Absolutely. Reach out to your bank. They will be very accommodating. Um, they'll make it easy for you. And a lot of times, I can't speak for other banks, but in our scenarios, we're able to handle these deferments with a scanned one-page document. So it's very easy for them to do. And they're not having to go through a full-blown credit process in order to get this done. So if it's a real estate note, you can certainly get help. There's okay. a high probability you can get help. Do you think for like for investors who have a a lot of equity in deals, like 
you think it's possible for them to refinance some of that equity out in you know some of their properties to have more cash on hand to weather any storm that may come about or do you think it's you know too late for most people to try to refi in this in this market it all depends on the institution normally with the smaller banks they're able to do cash out refinances much more easier than the larger institutions based on my experience um, but it's definitely one of those things where you want to reach out now before the banks get inundated because there's a a lot of requests out there for payment deferrals and in addition to the new loan requests. So banks back offices are, are definitely clogged up. Yeah. Is are there you any- getting as many new loan referrals uh, like in the last week that you normally have? Have you seen any fall off in that? Well, it's interesting with rates declining, it's become much more attractive to refinance owner occupied properties that have solid tenants. Um, so in those scenarios, it's you just an said opportunity. Owner, you said owner-occupied properties with good tenants. So you're, you're talking about commercial properties that are shared, or what do you mean? To be qualified as an owner-occupied property, commercial. the primary, correct, the primary operator has to occupy 51% or more of the property and pay at least 50% of the mortgage is normally how the banks that I've worked at have qualified that component. Whereas if it's a third party tenant, those are treated a little bit differently. Um, The bank might be a little bit more conservative on the loan to value and balloon term that is offered. So in those scenarios, it could be a little tighter and might be harder to get those deals done, particularly with the, um, I think everyone can agree that, that we are entering a, a recession. There's a, a strong probability. Do you have any advice for people that are able to to put together some, you know, great deals and they're like looking to get them financed while entering a a recession where like a a landlord or owner might want to get out or need to get out um, and you can scoop up a property at 50% of what it's worth. Do you have any advice for people like that who still want to get financing on those properties that are, you know, likely good deals, whether they're in a recession or not? My advice would be to uh, look at, look at partnerships with other folks. Uh, Banks are definitely going to be, more risk averse going into this environment. And if you have the opportunity to buy something that is off market, not on the MLS, yeah, normally that's where you see more attractive deals. I have seen a lot of multifamily in Charlotte that seems to be pitched on the higher side um, with duplexes that they're just offering ridiculous list prices on that are in very crime-ridden neighborhoods. It, it just seems aggressive to me. And depending on who you talk to, there might be a hundred people moving to Charlotte a day. And that does not include people that are having children here. I think those numbers are, are going to slow down here in the foreseeable future. 
just number of people moving in. Correct. Yeah, I don't think anybody's moving, you know, in this anyway. environment. So um, I think Jim, to kind of piggyback on Jim, whether it be maybe it's a commercial property where, I mean, let's stay out of the hospitality industry, um, but there might be other opportunities like Jim's saying where, you know, folks need to liquidate or folks need to maybe rent, you sell it and, and still rent it back. Um, it seems like the banks would still be open to, to, to getting involved in financing those opportunities. Am I right? I think it's, it's certainly a good time to network with your bank and ask them about their um, challenge credits that they do have because in the next 12 months they will probably have opportunities to look at having to have foreclosure discussions with these borrowers and it may be a chance to go and um, partner with that borrower and inject some capital in order to own a piece of their property or a chance to um, buy it at an arm's length directly from the bank uh, so they don't have to go through that foreclosure process. So it, it is an exercise that was practiced 10 years ago when banks had these uh, natural uh, cycles that they would go through every 10 years roughly with the ups and downs of the economy. Yeah. So like if I had like, I, I like there's a house that I'm looking at in Belmont, North Carolina, where the seller wants literally half of what it is worth today in its current shape. If I wanted to purchase that property and I didn't have the $100,000 in cash, I need to buy it out right. Um, do you think that I would be able to get a loan from a bank? And if, if not, or if so, like how would you recommend an investor uh, approaching a bank knowing that, you know, there's a pretty good chance that we're going to be in, you know, a recession or at least like a down market cycle for a while until this thing blows over. One thing that I would recommend is looking at creative financing sources. Um, I feel like, Hard money gets a bad rap, but it is instantaneous funding that you're able to obtain and it would allow you to purchase the property and essentially provide a cash offer. And then you would be able to get it stabilized by putting a tenant in. And then think depending on the seasoning period that different banks offer, you could take it and get it refinanced within 12 months. I think that's probably the magic number that most banks are looking for. And again, that's with the smaller institutions, the community banks. Do you see so that? That would like, be my advice. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Do you see that specific factors in lending are going to change like LTV and term and the AM schedule in this down market cycle? Because like personally, this is my first, I've been in a bull market since I was in real estate or business at all. Do you see any of those like major factors changing, you know, in this environment? I don't see the amortization schedules changing. Most banks will offer 
a 50, maybe most banks will offer a 20 year schedule on single family residential properties. When, when they do get tight, they'll look at a 15 year AM. So that piece might get tweaked a little bit. And normally on the balloon structure that you'll see is a five year duration. So it, it might be a, a five year balloon, 20 year amortization in the good times. And then in the down times, it, it might pull back to a 515 hmm. balloon slash am. And they might get a little tighter yeah. on the loan to cost slash loan to value. Normally banks will lend, you know, call it 80% on uh, rental properties if you're going through uh, some of the smaller institutions. But in this cycle, they might scale it back to 75 maybe 70%, depending on the property and the condition of it. The better condition of it in terms of tenants, stabilization, that always helps uh, your argument. Do you think there will ever, like if values of property were to, you know, I think they can go either way. Like they can either go up with inflation if we're in that kind of environment or they could go down. Do you think if they were going to go down, there would be any calls from banks um, because equity isn't there or that once was? Or do you think they would rather um, keep having uh, borrowers that are paying their bills on time? Because I've heard some other investors talk about being worried about having like loans called due if their you know, $150,000 house is not worth you know, 80, 90 grand. Do you think that's a, a real risk or what are your it's thoughts? It's one of those things that... It's uncertainty. I think there's uncertainty all across the board. And in situations of uncertainty, it never hurts to have the insurance of talking to another bank and getting some kind of relationship established so that in the event that the bank does call it, you will know that it there's another home for that loan. So it, it never hurts to uh, start establishing relationships with another bank. At least have somebody that is uh, known directly that you have the number and email of that you can reach out to. And normally banks aren't just going to pull the rug out from under you because they don't, again, they don't, they're not in the business of uh, owning those properties. And if you have a good relationship manager, they will give you some notice of kind of what the bank is thinking and whether or not their appetite has changed on that particular asset from a risk standpoint. Yeah, that's very, yeah, no, that's very helpful. Um, You know, maintain the relationship you have, but also have a backup option in case it becomes um, something you need to do. Kevin, I'm curious, like I, I know most of, all of our interviews, we mainly focus just on the guest, but this is a, an interesting time. And I know you've got quite a bit of rentals. Like I'm curious at, are you doing anything differently in this environment with, you know, buying and managing your rentals and properties? Not really at the moment. I mean, uh, just kind of keeping my ear to the ground as far as, so it's, it's different right now. Like if, if you've got people in your homes, they're more than likely going to stay, right? Like you're not going to have as much tur- turnover, uh, in my opinion. 
and the same the same thing goes as a challenge if you have vacant property right now like we just had a couple of houses just by the way leases worked out that folks were moving out they already had you know the place they were going to move into so they moved out moved into their new place um, so filling vacancies in this environment is going to be a little tougher than it normally is that that's probably the biggest thing I'm going to pay attention to. Uh, matter of fact, I was on the phone with my insurance company today because uh, typically your insurance only covers occupied property and they give you 30 or 60 days to, to re-rent it after a vacancy. So I told my insurance agent, hey, look, um, switch this over to a vacant policy because I don't know how long it's going to be before somebody moves in there. So that that's the biggest thing I'm paying attention to is, hey, let's Let's not have any vacancies, and if there's any way to fill them in this environment, let's figure out how. Because uh, I talked to William, who we've had on the podcast before, and he said that uh, his traffic for folks making appointments throughout the, I think it's the week, I don't know if it's a day, whatever it is, let's say it's a day or a week, is like 15 generally is his average, and right now it's down to like three to four. So. That's obviously a, a large multiplier, uh, negative multiplier there that, that they've gone down by. So if you're paying attention to anything right now, I'd advise you to pay attention to your vacancy. Save the tenants you have and, and uh, go from there. Is there anything you're doing? I know like the hot topic is like uh, rent deferral. Are you doing I'm anything not, on that? I'm not. You know, I'm hoping that, you know, we're in a – Hoping the government can come step in on that standpoint, right? Like they're trying to give folks money. They're going to cut checks. Who knows when? But uh, I don't know. I'm not having to do that yet, and I'm hoping I don't. Um, I mean, if that we have to cross that bridge, we'll see what happens. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, like I, I don't have a lot of points of reference, but like we just put up a, a flip outside of Charlotte that was like definitely a higher-end flip on Friday night, and we've already had – 15 showings and got like a full cash offer on it so like that was you know a good sign at least for now but i'm definitely like keeping my ear to the ground to see what's going on in the you know in the local area as well greg i mean have you heard anything other than like i mean there's obviously like some industries that are really being hit have you heard anything in like the other um lines of business you guys are involved in in terms of auto or is that, is that what you mean by lines of business? Yeah, like like I, I know you guys are in hospitality and auto. Um, I'm sure you're in like commercial and some like larger residential. Like, have you heard any um, things that landlords are doing to you know make it through this period? I know with the the multifamily segment in particular is definitely a higher risk. I was reading an article than the Wall Street Journal, where it looks like uh, Freddie Mac, which is the government-sponsored entity that lends for those, has offered their lenders, which is commercial banks, uh, relief to provide um, payment deferrals on those loans. So the the flexibility is all through the different lines of business, and it's it was one of those things where it really is a black swan event that no one expected. So the banks are there to help. 
Yeah. I didn't, I, I promised I'd keep this thing short today because I know you're busy uh, doing your day job and, and uh, keeping the uh, fluidity in the markets right now. I know that's an important to your job, so uh, I don't want to keep you, but can you uh, kind of let folks know how to get a hold of you and, and uh, give them some contact info if you don't mind? Absolutely. My email is greg.smith at firstcitizensplural.com and my uh, mobile number is 910-674-5994 if anyone ever needs me. <laughs> we might cut off that mobile number. I don't want to give that to the uh, millions of people we're listening to. But. <laughs> yeah, you said you need a, a backup relationship with a bank. Here we go. <laughs> but Greg, uh, Thank you sincerely for jumping on this call, man. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. I hope it flowed well. Yeah, man. It was super helpful and insightful. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Who Knows Real Estate. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and check out our show notes for the guest contact info as well as ours. Be sure to look for our next episode. Thanks.